It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane, alongside Austin Price and Brent Hubbs. Big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for bringing us this coverage of the Mailbag Podcast. Uh, East Tennessee's first choice in roofing. Use your trusted and local source for your exterior home renovations today. That number is 865-524-5888 or online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Got a lot of questions to get into. We'll jump right into it. We'll start off with Nico Suave. If Tennessee gets Seton, will this be the best overall class Hypel has ever had since coming here? He said he knows that Nico came in last year in 2023, but a lot of those were on the defensive side of the football. I mean, by the rankings, I'm sure. I mean, like as far as like, you know, impacts i mean i just don't think you know that i, I you know I mean, you're just now seeing like what the impact of the 2020 class the 2021 class the 2022 class are going to be for tennessee or any school so um could be uh, i know it's gonna be the highest ranked class if seaton ends up in this class because they'll rock it up near fringe top five at that point and then if they can add a roger or you know whoever else then that could keep them up there yeah, I mean, you know, from a perception standpoint, it would it would certainly look great. It would certainly look you know, and be the best. But Austin's right. I mean, it's it's about development. Um, it's about where these guys are in, in another year or two um, in terms of the impact that they make on the program. But, I mean, it, it better live up to its billing when you look at the roster turnover and where this roster is right now and the fact that co- the COVID year is going away. So you're not going to have those extra years for guys coming down the pike. So – um, I mean, you, you better you better hit on more than you miss on. What regardless of what your ranking is, your, your hit factor better be good. By the way, Eric, any any idea who sang the song Rico Suave? No idea. Okay. Hey, by the way, care to like me? It's one hit wonder. I think his name was Geraldo. One hit wonder, Geraldo. Go ahead, AP. Um, by the way, I don't know if you saw where, but Kamari. Uh, uh, Florida went in the portal. Hot, I think Florida's second highest ranked player um, after redshirting. It's a, which proves the point of like you know in those blowout games, Tennessee's going to have to figure out to get those young guys in games because kids become more and more impatient by the year. And you know, I'm not saying that that's the exact reason why because I mean every every situation is different. Like you know, there are people on Tennessee's team that'll hit the portal that will have uh, an issue that'll never be talked about. You know, and people, you know, will, you know, rip that kid, you know, but they don't really understand what a kid's going through. Same thing happens at every school, right? Um, but, like, you know, you, you see high-end players after one year go on the portal. It's going to be that way more and more because this generation is just a bit of a uh, softer generation when it comes to, like, they want their they want their cake and eat it too. Like, they well, want it right away. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing too, Eric, is you have to look at it from the standpoint of getting out of the cycle, right of experience okay you're looking for experience well you can't go and say all right well we need like like let's look at the tight end position okay and i'll just use tennessee as an example you're going to go get a a guy or two in the portal right who's experienced guys okay so they're going to step in and play well you better play your younger players when you have opportunities and better better play a more expanded roster there are you going to find yourself every year in that cycle of we got to go get an experienced player? Then you go get the experienced player, and he plays over the younger player, and then you push down that younger player getting experience, and that's going to get that's going to keep you in the transfer portal cycle, which again has an effect on a younger player and how patient they're going to be to stay. Um, I think it's always been important to play young players in blowouts, and um, you know, when you have opportunities, I think it's more important than it's ever been for a variety of reasons. Um, as some as Austin mentioned, as some as I mentioned, just to stay out of the portal cycle where you're not taking 
a guy basically at every position every year to give you some experience, which means a younger guy doesn't get an opportunity to play. So you're saying playing young safeties 140 out of a possible 2,656 snaps is 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 is, is not okay. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not just that. Position, okay. but yeah, I mean, you know, you've got two, you've got two veteran safeties who played 95, 96 percent of the snaps this year. Okay, and, and now, and and look, now you're going to go into you're going to go into next year, okay, and you're going to play at Oklahoma, on the road in Charlotte against NC State, at Arkansas, essentially out of the gate, with, with inexperience back there, where you didn't have you didn't put some guys in those positions when you had opportunities to not just this year, but in previous years as well, to well, develop some guys there. They don't have to. They could get Wesley Walker to come back, which is possible. And they can move T-Mac back to safety, which, you know, uh, a lot of people have wanted to put him at for a while. So, um, you know, I mean, like, they, they don't have to go that route. problem is, is when you do that, you're stunning the growth of people like John Slaughter, and that's when things get a little shaky. Well, look, you're going to be young back there somewhere. Okay, I mean you, you are. You're going to be young at a corner. You're going to be young if you move T Mac to star. You're going to be young at the star position. I know Jordan Thomas played a little bit, but it's not like he played a, a high volume of snaps. My point is, you're going to be younger back there, not by age, but by experience than you should be, because you didn't take the opportunity to play guys in blowout games the last couple of years the way you should have, in my opinion. That's and to your point earlier, Brent, I mean, this is the third cycle in a row that Tennessee's going to look to add a tackle. Tennessee's going to look to add a tight end. Tennessee's probably going to look to add a defensive back. I mean, you're hitting these same position groups, it feels like, each and every year in the portal, which is fine because, I mean, these guys have come in and been impact players, but you still need to recruit, develop, and, and play some of these guys when you can so that they don't leave the program or they're ready to come in and play. Yeah, and that's where I credit Brian Jean-Marie for what he's done with the linebackers. I think it's important that Davin Hobbs played 150 snaps this year, um, you know, and I think, you know, getting Caleb Herring as many snaps as they got him late in the year I think was important as well. And those are just things that – this is the world we live in, and you have to be mindful of that for a variety of reasons, some I mentioned and some Austin mentioned. Couple more here from uh, Nico Suave. Do you see the safeties that Tennessee has committed having the skills necessary to be SEC level, Austin? I do. Uh, I like Tennessee's young DBs, um, the ones they've got committed in this class. I think are some really good players. Um, you know, you know it, I, I like. You know, we'll see what they do with Caleb Beasley. We'll see what they do with Marcus Gorey. Guys that could play either one. Um, you know, I know they like John Slaughter a ton. Um, and and then you got uh, you know obviously Jack Luttrell who has flashed at points and times during fall camp. But again, these kids are still younger players. Um, but yeah, I do. I think they can improve their athleticism in the back end. Um, you know, I don't know if it's dramatically, but they can definitely improve it um, with some of these players. And then commitment day is coming up tomorrow. So as you sit here today at the time of this recording, where are you at on Roger Salipanga? You know, I don't know because, uh, you know, I think, you know, we might know something, uh, you know, later tonight. Now, I'm never going to be one to, you know, really kind of come out and spoil the kids' recruitment. But at the same time, like, you know, want to keep everybody on the general's quarters as up-to-date as possible. Um, I feel like Tennessee made a huge push. Is it enough? I don't know. At this point in time, I don't know. Like, that's the best way to, to say it. Like, I, you know, they did make a big push. He was super impressed. Family was super impressed. They've known Nico for a long time. Um you know, Oregon's long been thought to be the team to beat. So it would be an upset if he picked Tennessee for a lot of people. But, you know, again, you know, it's recruiting. And so who knows? If the, I, I don't know at this point. But, you know, I would say sometime later on Thursday, you know, early Friday, you'll start to probably get an idea. And, and Oregon's been active at the tight end position this past week, right, AP? They lost the kid from Texas, and then they picked up an in-state kid at the tight end position. Maybe that was just a single trade, one for one there. Yeah. Does it have an effect on – does that have any effect on Roger or not? Maybe they're taking two in this class. I would assume that would be the case. But but they have made some tight end moves this week that makes yeah. you wonder. Yeah, I mean, like Kai Bates is still out there, obviously. You know, you know, the longer this thing plays out, the more it feels like Florida State to me. But, I mean, you know, who knows? Um 
because the kids kind of went quiet on everybody. Um, but if you said which one's more important, I would tell you Roger because you need more bodies in the room. You got plenty of DBs. Like Guy Bates is a fantastic player, but you got plenty of defensive backs. You don't have any tight ends. <laughs> you have one scholarship guy that returns. And then Roger, if he came, and then, of course, Jonathan Eccles are going to be two true freshmen. So, um, you know, Tessie's going to go to the portal at, at tight end. Um, but but Eric's right. He brought that up earlier. They've got, you know, now that you're going to have a couple of nice young pieces, really, if, if you get, you know, Roger would be three young pieces, like you've got to start pushing some of these guys. You can't just keep, you know, going to the portal to kind of, you know, put yourself in the same spot. You, you've got to start pushing some of these young guys, which is why Ethan Davis has got to be a big player for Tennessee in 2024. All right, we got some here from Hooker to Hyatt TD. Number one. Does FSU and Ole Miss's success going big in the portal have an, any impact on the staff's approach this go around, Brent? Yeah, I, you know, somebody had this this post on the GQ yesterday um, or, or Tuesday, I guess it was, about, you know, the staff ought to follow the, the Ole Miss approach or the FSU approach because, I mean, FSU's getting seven or eight, you know, guys out of the portal every year that are making big impacts. Wow. How many impacts did Tennessee have this year out of the portal? Look, Peedley would have started every game if he got hurt, right? The impact of Castles was huge. The impact of John Campbell was big. Dante Thornton, now they played him. You can argue they played him out of position for the first half of the year, but he played a bunch of snaps. He was starting to take off some on the outside. That's an impact play. Lamar Normanon had five and a half sacks. Gabe Judy Lawley started most of the Nine year games. for you, right? I mean, it's not like Tennessee has just set back and said, we're not taking any portal kids. I mean, the portal was, if you go back over the course of their time here, the portal was the team this year, right? I mean, Mincy's a portal guy. Andre Kurek was a starter this year before he got hurt as a as a first-year portal Milton. guy. Joe Milton's a portal guy. I mean, you can go on and on with guys who are portal guys. Wesley Walker, a portal guy. Um, so, I mean, I think Tennessee's been more active in the portal and has used the portal pretty pretty well. Um, now, do they? I mean, did they get a Belitnikov finalist at wide receiver like Florida State did? No, but but I mean, I you know, did they get a Jared Verse? No, but but they they got a bunch of guys who made impacts for them out of the portal. And when I say a bunch, I mean you can put you can put seven eight uh, seven eight guys up there immediately, just like you've seen at Florida State and Ole Miss. And as I wrote yesterday on the site, um, the last three years, Tennessee's not had an All Star kicker, but Tennessee's had a solid kicker coming from the transfer portal. Two years of McGrath, and then this past year of uh, Charles Campbell. So, portal's been good for Josh Heupel. And yes, I know Pruitt technically got McGrath to come, but he played for Heupel. Um, this is Heupel's worst offense in six years as a head coach. Is it as simple as a new quarterback in 2024? If he asked you, what's one offensive thing you would tell him to fix? AP, if you want to go first. Offensive thing, by the way, McGrath came with this current staff um wasn't Pruitt um didn't Pruitt get his commitment and then Pruitt got fired mm -mm. it was it was the previous staff or it was it was this staff okay um offensive changes you know it, I mean, to me I mean I I, I don't know how to, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a coach. I'm not a, you know, I, I, the biggest thing that I think is I'm continue to reiterate, like they've just got to continue to push younger guys, you know, out there, especially the offensive linemen. I mean, I, you know, I think it's a bit of an indictment against Glenn Ellerby that, you know, here we are heading into year four and not one of the guys that, you know, he recruited has become like a factor on the offensive line. Addison Nichols, he recruited, he was forced to play him against Vanderbilt because of injuries. If, if there was not injuries, he would not have played. And other than that one game, I mean, none of them are the guys he's brought in from the high school level. So, I mean, yeah, I from the high school levels, because yeah. JJ Crawford is his. I mean, yes. was, that, that staff signed that, and he has he started quite a few games for Tennessee, but from the high school ranks. Yeah, from the high school ranks, not yes. having to go Juco with an older guy. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's, you know, a bit of a concern. Um, so, I, you know, I'd like to see some of those guys get the, you know, either pushed into, you know, and developed into where they're helping them or, you know, Tennessee's going to have to, you know, can't just keep letting dead weight hang around on your football team, in my opinion. I think you have to, you know, find out if some of these kids can play. And if they can't, then, you know, you know they need to go find a place to play, um, you know, and not just be, you know, taking up a spot. I mean, you're Eric, under 85 
you know, everything is important. I know you're only under three, but like you still, every, every one of these scholarships, I mean, Hub's always talked about it, the most precious thing a coach has is the scholarships, you know? Um, and so like, that's kind of where I would go with it. Yeah. Quickly for me are two things. One, I would say tempo. I think they got to get back to playing faster because I think this offense is better. And I think it's harder on defenses when they play fast because I think defenses make mistakes because of that. And then I don't know schematics, but I know this. They're having a harder time running against a three-man front than a four-man front. And I think you've got to address that in the offseason so you can find a way to run the football better than you've run it against some of those teams that just go big on the defensive line with three guys and kind of muddle it up, if you will, with, with some guys moving around. So those would be two things for me. And quarterback's a given because you're making a change there. All right, we'll get back into more of your mailbag questions. But first, a word about price picks. Here for me and Grant, what we usually do on the Game Quest podcast. Here's our price picks, picks of the week. All right, we're going to get back into the mailbag podcast here in just a second. But if you'll allow us here for a couple minutes, Grant and I, Grant Ramey now joining the show here for a few minutes. We want to get back into our price pick projections. We've been doing them all season long, and just because there's no game this weekend, there is a lot of conference championship games going all around the country, including right here in the Southeastern Conference. So we want to finish this this thing off right and give some price pick projections for you guys uh, here in conference championship week. What is price picks? Well, if you haven't heard what it is, if you haven't been listening to GameQuest all, all year long, a price picks is a whole lot of fun. It's where you can win 25 times your money on any entry this football season. It's super simple. You're playing the totals here, guys. You pick between two to six players, and price picks is going to give their player projections, and you're just going to say more than or less than. Classic example, say you're Joe Milton, 225 yards passing. Grant would say more than for that upcoming game because we like the Moors, we like the overs here on uh, on on VolQuest. So it's a whole lot of fun. You go to PricePicks.com as well. You put in that promo code VQ. They're also going to give you a hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars on your first deposit. You put in fifty, PricePicks is going to match you fifty. You put in ninety nine dollars. PricePix is going to match you $99 there on that first pick. So if you're watching on YouTube, this is kind of how it looks right now. And we're going to go through as we do every single week on GameQuest and kind of make some picks here. Um, at the time of this recording, there's no projections out for the SEC Championship game, but there are some that we'll get into. We'll start with the Friday Night Pack 12 Bo Nix passing yards against Washington, 326.5. Will Bo Nix, who is a Heisman, going to be a Heisman finalist, go more than or less than 326 in the hook against Washington Grant? First of all, you said we got to finish this the right way. I haven't finished a prize pick the right way since August, okay? I, I'm like one one in 175 in prize picks, if anybody's out there <laughs> tracking them. That said, let me keep riding the same way I've, I've been riding all season and go with more on Bo Nix because uh, this is a revenge game for Oregon. This is a big deal. You're trying to earn a playoff spot being that discussion. Um yeah, you got to get more because uh, Washington got the best of them last time. Well, you would think that if, if Bo Nix is going to go more, and I think this game is going to come down to the wire, it's probably going to be more of a shootout. So on the other side, you've got Michael Penix. Um, Vol fans know that name very, very well. Having a fantastic year. His projection for passing yards is 302 and a half. So 302 yards in the hook. Will he be more than or less than? And Grant, I feel like I know where you're going to go with this going to be a shootout we'll go ahead and put in more is, is that what you were thinking there's no doubt it's going to be more because i want a shootout i want a 52 49 uh winner goes to the playoff friday night uh kind of thing that's what i need on my tv friday night i need a shootout i need entertaining football hopefully we're going to get a lot of good games in conference uh, championship weekend one that is not going to be a good game in my opinion maybe i'm going to be wrong it's going to go to the big 10 michigan and iowa J.J. McCarthy, going to go down a little bit. We were in the 300s here for the Pac-12. We'll go down to 192 in the hook, 192.5 passing yards for J.J. McCarthy against Iowa. Uh, less because it's Iowa and because yeah. I don't think you have to do a ton uh, to beat Iowa. And you got Blake Corum and you got a lot of weapons and, and you can kind of spread it around. And I don't think you have to score a ton of points. I mean, and I think Michigan has looked human against the Maryland's of the world and the Illinois of the world. Uh, they, they come out and they beat Ohio State the way they did Saturday and make a statement. But outside of that, they've, they've kind of looked human. I don't think they'll get tested all that much, but I, I think they don't have to do that much to beat uh, Iowa uh, on, on Saturday. So I'm, I'm going less to break up my more trend. 
<laughs> Speaking of that, we know about the defense that's going to be in that game, at least on one side. Blake Horam, don't have to do an awful lot to beat Iowa, but Blake Horam, his number set at 93 and a half. 93 in the hook. Is Blake Horam going to do more than or less than 93 and a half? Uh, more just because I took less on J.J. McCarthy at 192 and a half, so I think 93 and a half isn't a huge number. Uh, yeah, the Iowa defense is is pretty good. It's obviously their 10 win football team with zero offense, so they got to be pretty good. Uh, but Michigan's a lot better. Again, Price Picks is so much fun. They're going to have more and more player projections up until time of kickoff. The SEC at the time of this recording does not have their projections out there, but you know they're going to be out there. Milrow and, and some of these other guys in the back and some of these other quarterbacks and running backs in this football game should be a whole lot of fun. Should be a great football weekend, and you can win some money over there at pricepicks.com. If you're watching again, have every single sport to choose from up here. You've got so many different categories. It's truly as simple as this. You get two to six player projections here and you click more than or less than what the price pick value gives and so it's super easy you can do that all at pricepicks.com and again 100% instant deposit match up to $100 on your first entry that's a pricepicks.com promo code vq pricepicks.com promo code vq go and have some fun over price picks this conference championship weekend it's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids hey dad a tree fell on my house well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use in that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. Could not do this coverage without our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. So give them a call today, 865 865- that is uh, 524-5888, 865-524-5888, or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. I do want to give another shout-out uh, to a, a proud sponsor of the show. That is Factor. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on those jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. It can help you fuel, fuel up faster for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared and approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, uh, you will stay on track with your healthy lifestyle, all while tracking all those holiday to-dos. And, uh, you know, they, they came and brought uh, on my doorstep, had about 10 meals. They were, they were packaged up, ready to go, put them in the fridge. I've been eating those for lunch. Each of the past couple of days, super simple, okay? They're, they come, they're never frozen meals. They're good, great selection. Take the little cover off, put it in the microwave, two minutes, ready to go, I eat, I throw it away, and then I'm on with my day. I mean, it's convenient, tasty, again, nutritious, and uh, it can be you know something for you on those busy days as well. If you go to factormeals.com slash promo code VQ50, that is promo code VQ50, use that promo code again, VQ50, you're going to get 50% off. That's promo code VQ50 at factormeals.com slash VQ50 for 50% off. Factor Meals, it's America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can be for you as well. Now let's get back into the mailbag edition of the podcast. Got plenty more to get to. We'll go to Sam Smith, 2233. Does Josh Heupel have too much Dabo Sweeney in him? And that is he too loyal to his coaches and only promoting from within. Brent, if you want to take this one. Well, I mean, we'll see what he does, you know, with any other future hires and, and what they do if they ever have a, a defensive a change. I mean, he's protective of his offense, and he has been. Uh, he's had a couple, three opportunities, and he's promoted from within. And we'll see um, how, how that goes. I mean, I think there were some challenges with that this year, some growing pains, and we'll see where they're at in year two. I, I'm not ready to say uh, anybody's too loyal to anything. I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody's running Dabo out of Clemson right now. I mean, they finished on a heater pretty good, right, since the since the, the the phone call to challenge him publicly that 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 however that got set up or whatever that happened on that deal, um, I mean they, they finished playing much better football and uh, they they've won quite a bit with, with the way that that you know that he's done it. So um, I, I think it's too early to make some kind of declaration that that this is a problem or not. I, you know it, it's we'll see. I mean I, I think it's too early to tell. I, I think there were certainly growing pains in year one though with some of these guys. With Tennessee beginning SEC play next year with two games on the road, what does that staff have to do to change and help them perform better on the road away from Knoxville? Because, Austin, this was not a good team away from away from Knoxville for, for much of the year. 
No, that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what they can do. I mean, they, they can, you know, you, you truly can, I mean, you can try to simulate in practice. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. The, the, the level of noise just isn't the same. Um, the feeling, the, um, the nervousness, the anxiety that comes with playing, you know, in front of a big crowd on the road for some, not all kids, but uh, you just can't replicate it. So, you know, I don't know. That's a great question. I think, you know, getting back to tempo, um, winning first downs. And I think the probably the biggest thing, Hover, is figure out how to play without having so many pre-snap penalties. Quit playing at first and 15, second and 17, third and 12. Like play, play it, you know, first and five or second and six. Something you can uh, convert more frequently. Yeah, and I'll say this. I don't think the crowd at Missouri was any factor on the road. Um, I, I don't think that was – I think the crowd at Florida at night was a factor. Obviously, yeah. they got off to a great start at Alabama, took the crowd, neutralized that crowd for, for most of that game. Uh, but but I do think that you have to address and, and look at should we handle th- – is there something we're doing different in our road routine, right? Are we leaving too late? Are we leaving too early? Are we doing – you know – all those things, I think, as a coach, you look at, you know, is there something we need to be doing different at the hotel? You know, they, they go to a hotel at home. I, I don't know if there's anything there, but there is there has been a, a different level of play for this program on the road than there has been at, at home under Josh Heupel since he's been here. Um, so I, I think it's something that you certainly have to look at. I don't have the answer to what that is, but you do have to look at it. I think it's more than just crowd noise. I do think crowd noise was a huge factor at Florida and caused a lot of problems down in distance wise. I don't think that was a problem at Alabama. I think some decisions you made and you could not get momentum back. You weren't mentally strong enough to get momentum back. And then Missouri, I think you just played bad. Missouri would have beat Neyland State and playing the way you played that Saturday. Yeah. Let's go to Athron. Um, Number one, think we'll go after a running back in the portal, or will we stick with what we have coming in on the roster? And this is assuming that Dylan Sampson stays on the roster. I, I don't think they'll go to the portal. Um, you know, I, if, if Sampson's back, now if Sampson's not back, you know, um, then they would absolutely go. But if it's Sampson and um, Cam Selden, Khalifa Keith, and Peyton Lewis, I think they would, and, and then Deshaun Bishop, I think they'd roll with those five. What type of wide receiver do you think Tennessee will look for in the portal? Small, shifty, quick like Squirrel, or big, strong, physical like Brew and Cedric? Or outside guy. They want a tall guy. They want. They want. They want. They don't want an inside guy. I'm not, I'm not. Listen, if if the best slot guy in college football called him, they're not going to turn that guy away, right? But like, what they really are trying to find in the portal receiver is is an outside guy, somebody six three ish or or taller, um, you know, long. Kind of more the built in the mold of uh, Cedric Tillman. I mean, even got, I mean, Ramel Keaton's a tall receiver. I mean, Ramel Keaton's a legit six three. So I mean, like, you know, they don't want a five eleven guy to throw outside. Is that because Dante Thornton can play slot? Because I mean, I look at this roster and you don't have any slot receivers outside of Squirrel, but you can put Dante there. You saw Chaz and Emrod can slide in. Do they feel good about their options at slot, and they just want another body for the outside. Well, I mean, you got to factor in that Braylon Staley and Mike Matthews are both, yeah, you know, similar body types that could play slot. So, I mean, True. you know, and that's the thing you, and that's kind of my biggest, the, the saw box I'm on, you've got to cherry pick where you go in the portal, like just going and adding another body there when you need to be able to push some of these younger guys, um, you know, is it, it, why I like, I think that they would never do that in a slot unless just like, again, like the, the best one in the country one time. Um, you know, that's why I think they would try to go with a taller outside guy. And then lastly here, Austin, this is specifically for you. How many trees, garlands do you have in your house right now? Mm, we can't he, says he defines he defines garlands um, uh, something that you can hang and, and, and decorate. Uh, tree behind me. My big tree is downstairs. It's the one that has all the Disney, Star Wars, uh, all those ornaments on it. Um, this is the this is the tree that. Has all my like my as my kids have gotten older and they make ornaments at functions and stuff at school and stuff. It's all the homemade ornaments behind me, um, and then I've got uh, you know a, a tree outside that's that's you know that lights up. I got a, a, like a pencil tree at my front door with colored lights on it. I've got uh, garland under my TV. I've got garland coming down my staircase, uh, windowsill in the kitchen. You know, it's why we put all this stuff up. 
you know, at the end of October 1st of November. It's just a lot of stuff to throw up for 25 days. So, you know. He has, of- he has more trees than Glenn Ellerby's played offensive lineman this year. Better <laughs> be nice, Albert. Oh, and also putting it up November the 1st is the correct way to do things. Uh, let's go to uh, Bull City Vol. You're outnumbered on this one, Hubs. <laughs> What's the story, Brent, with Jordan Matthews, um, a really hyped-up recruit who didn't see much of the field this year at all? And really, the recruiting cycle last year, it was all Jordan Matthews, Jordan Matthews, Jordan Matthews. Ricky Gibson was almost an afterthought. Ricky Gibson was the one that came in ready to roll more so than those two guys and the one that saw the field more. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I think Ricky Gibson performed better on the practice field. I think he had to l- played with a little more confidence. Um, was able to put a bad play behind him a little better than than Jordan Matthews did at some scrimmage stuff. And I think Jordan fought a little bit of some confidence early on in 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 the preseason and early on in the season. I think he got um, a little bit down because things weren't going as smoothly for him. The adjustment was a little tougher than probably he thought. I think he got better as the year went on uh, on the practice field. I think this is a big bowl session season for him um, and obviously a huge spring for him as well. I don't think there's anyone who doubts or questions his talent. I don't think this is a situation where, AP, that, that Jordan Matthews doesn't have the ability to play or he's a bust or he's a miss. I think the transition to college for him was probably a little more challenging than than he thought and some other people thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, like, look around college football. Like, Cormani McClain didn't get on the field at Colorado. Colorado, they're 4-8. and eight. Didn't get on it because Deion says he wasn't doing everything the right way, this and that. I'm not saying Jordan's not doing things the right way. The point is, is it's hard to get on the field. And so, like, everybody wants this instant gratification. And two people are – stop labeling kids bust if they don't play their freshman year. Like, that's just stupid. Stupid. And, like – you know, we'll see where he's at. You know, if he doesn't play in four years, then he would be called a bust, right? Like, I mean, like, my God, he's been on campus, you know, a handful of months. Like, this is insane. Um, you know, you know, I think, you know, bowl practice will be big for him. Spring practice will be big for him. Kind of settle in. Same thing with Christian Conyers. Same thing for the continued growth of, of Ricky Gibson. John Slaughter, a lot of talent in that back end. Um, you know, and then, you know, guys like Shamu Murav, uh, Ethan Davis on the offensive side of the ball. So, um you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, count, you know, let, let the kid breathe a little bit. You know, I mean, he's been behind some players. I mean, you look around college football. Why were none of the five-star quarterbacks? I mean, that was a, the, one of the best classes of quarterbacks last year. H- who played? You know, the Arnold kid at Oklahoma came in against BYU because, uh, you know, you know, in relief of Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Dante Moore started the year, then got benched. Arch has never saw the light of day except for three snaps there at the end of the year. Nico played a little bit, but very little. I mean, like, again, you go back and one of the best quarterback crops in a long, long time. And how many of them played? Exactly. Well, but, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But it also, you know, we'll say some people listen to this will go, well, you just went on a soapbox rant for about four minutes to start the podcast about not playing young players. So you in, know, in blowout I, situations. In I know that's what situations. that's what I'm that's what I'm clarifying. Yeah. I think that those guys should have got some opportunities to play to see where they were yes. and let them see where they were. I think that's a miss. Yes. Not that they should have started because they were highly regarded in recruiting. I was just trying to clarify that before the follow up question came on the GQ. One million percent of us. <laughs> One million percent. Before we go any further, I just want to address something that came out yesterday. K.J. Jefferson is disputing the whole transfer portal. How can he enter the transfer portal? I mean, him and Cam Rising legit are the Otis Nixons of... of, Will Rogers has been in college for like 10 years too. It blows my mind. Yet Aaron Beasley is out of here, buddy. His his eligibility is exhausted. You know, and it doesn't even feel like he's been around hardly long at all. But, like, it's just blows... I mean, like... I just, I'm ready for the I'm ready for the portal or for the uh, COVID years to be done. Same, like, I really am. Same. All right, let's go to the Royal Cave. Uh, speaking of a guy that's been around for a long, long time, not Tennessee. Um, I did not see see Keenan Peely go through Senior Day. It's been hinted that he could come back. Um, how does that happen? Medical waiver? Did I answer my own question? How often do waivers get approved? Um, Brent, I think this is different for every single person. Of course, you can never bank on the NCAA to be consistent with anything. Like John Campbell, he technically has another year to come back if he wants it. 
that would be his seventh year, meaning he redshirt and he's already gotten a medical redshirt earlier in the year as well, or earlier in his career as well. Like he already got that waiver. Um, for Keenan Peely to come back, he would have to get a waiver, correct? I think they've already got their answers there. I think they've already got their answers on, on where both those guys are. Otherwise, you don't you don't go through the, the song and dance about him potentially coming back because it could affect other guys on your roster. So if Keenan Peely's coming back, if he returns to this roster, he's he's good to go to play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're not bringing him back with the hopes that he would get a waiver on down the line. He's good. He's good to go. Same same situation with John Campbell. Uh, Wake Vol says, do you believe that the Gator Bowl is trying to get into the upper echelon of bowl games like the Outback and Citrus? They pull better schools in recent years like Notre Dame last year. Uh, I, I think I think Jacksonville's because it's in Florida that, you know, it's warmer. Um, it's more attractive to some schools. I think there are more schools in both leagues, the ACC and the SEC, who are listing the Gator Bowl as a destination that they would like over some other places where weather is an unknown, um, like, you know, Charlotte and, and, and the ACC plays a bunch of games in Charlotte. Those kids don't want to go to Charlotte for a bowl game. Right. Um, so I, I think it's a bigger destination for ACC schools. And I think it's becoming a bigger destination for SEC schools because their thought is you're going to have a real chance at getting a warmer day there than, than you are at some other places. Now, is it going to remain as attractive if you're going to play on the 29th at noon? You know, is that as attractive as opposed to playing it later on, like the 31st, the 1st? I think one year it was on the 2nd. Because remember, the later you play, the more kids get to go home for Christmas. Now you're talking about having Christmas in Jacksonville because you're playing on the 29th. Does that make that bowl game as attractive? So so Good date point. and time is a factor just as much as weather is a factor with some of these things as well. I would not like the time slot if I were the Gator Bowl. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's the most attractive time slot for TV ratings and for teams' interest in, in being there. But Hubs loves it, baby. Noon in noon, yeah, seventy-five. Noon, and a chance to and, and a chance to not have to wear a toboggan. I'm all for that bowl <laughs> game, baby. If Tennessee's in the Gator Bowl, what time's the uh, Volquest Caravan you know departing Knoxville? Departing Knoxville? Yeah. Um, we'll hit, we'll hit a drive through on Christmas on Christmas day night somewhere, um, and and hit the road there. And then when that game's over, we might, we might be in Forsyth, Georgia by heading to Atlanta by about midnight or a little before we may roll all the way back home day of the bowl game. You never know. Or we might get a day at the beach. You never know. It will be a rolling caravan. Don't look for a flight. I can tell you that. It's only eight hour drive, man. Um, we are going to eat at the uh, sister restaurant of Johnny Boston's down in Jacksonville, though. <laughs> J- J- Janie Austin's. Um, Janie Austin's. Can't wait for that. I will go uh, back to. I will go back to a restaurant that uh, me and the Gator Dog Jesse Simonton ate at while yes. you, while you were at Sawgrass. It was really outstanding up there on Jacksonville Beach. I will find it again. I can promise you. That's right. I want to call hey, Carl. See if he wants to golf again. Carl, <laughs> eighty-two for the win, baby. All right. God Orange says this is directed to all. Do you believe that Heifel and the offensive staff needs to reconsider rotating offensive skill players during drives? Example, Wright and Sampson on the field together. Um, I feel like that's two different things. Right as far as Wright and Sampson on the field together, I mean that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you don't want Sampson to be your slot receiver the entire drive. You're not putting two backs in the backfield. That's not this offense. But in terms of rotating skill players and drives, it's just it's hard to do, Austin, because again, the tempo. Tempo is everything in this in this offense. Correct. And 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 so like if there is a timeout, then sure they'll rotate in the middle of the series. Yeah. Um, you know, but like if you know if, they, if there's a first down, they want to get to the next set of downs. Then you know they're going. They don't want to rotate. That slows down, allows the opposing team to be able to sub and defeats the purpose of the tempo. Well, and I think that you've got to magnify that by playing faster to use the tempo more to your advantage. I, I think, I, yeah, they prevented some subs. And, and I think defenses have figured out a way to play all three downs without subbing, right? They, they've become less of a of a sub-package team than what they used to be. So the advantage there is playing fast. I thought they let defenses catch their breath too, many, too much this year because it took them – they didn't play with enough tempo and enough urgency – and play fast. Now, part of that was penalties. They're behind the sticks, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. 
but but I didn't think they played nearly a, as fast as they did the previous year, and I, and I, don't, I think it prevented some offensive success because they weren't able to go as fast for whatever reasons. Matt's forty two oh one twelve says, if you could wave your magic wand, y'all got to be quick on this because uh, I know we got opinions about this. If you could wave your magic wand, how would you fix the state of college football? nil portal uh, to make it to where coaches are not getting burned out so much i think the first thing you got to do brent attack the month of december and the biggest thing in the month of december that you could plausibly move i guess would probably be signing day i mean signing day was in february forever yeah i mean that's the only thing you can move in december is, is signing day so you got two options if you're going to keep an early signing day then you can go and, and move that thing to august but then you're going to have a bunch of people try to get out of their letter when their coach gets fired um or you move it back to february but if you move it to february then you've got to change the spring calendar and you got to get away from the official visits in the spring uh in the springtime in the summertime um but that's really the only thing you can move because you have to have the portal window open ap so that kids can be somewhere for the spring semester you can't wait and do the portal window in may because then kids can't get why would you leave because you don't have a chance to really get integrated into a new system? You need spring practice, winter workouts, and all those types of things. So you're not changing the, 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 an early portal window. So that's not going to get affected. Um, so I don't know what I don't know what you can move other than signing day. And I think if I don't if you move it forward to August, that's great. But I think you got a lot of kids who are going to be reluctant to do that because of potential coaching changes. Now, maybe you do an August date and a February date, you know, but I, I think the December date's the only thing you can move in the month of December, which is the biggest problem in college football. I would change what I would do to change it. I would, I would try to have some type of reform in NIL. Uh, it's the wild, wild West. I think eventually there's going to be these donors are going to go enough. I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of giving. I've given to the, this and I'll give to that. I'll give to this. I'll give to that. I'm done. Got to have some type of reform on NIL. I think they've got to abolish, abolish the tran the transfer, the, the one-time transfer. I think they've got to go back. I think, I think if it's kind of like you can turn pro after your junior year, after you're after you've exited three years of high school, which means either three years of playing or a redshirt year and two years of playing, you can transfer with no no qualms. But I think I, I think that that's what I would do is is, is try to because I think what's happening here is is you have so much tampering going on across college football. It's 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 really hurting everything, and then you throw in the NIL on top of that, at, you know. I, I think it makes it worse. So if you could, you know, I'm not saying like, like I want the kids to get as much money as they can. I'm just saying like, there's got to be a cleaner, more tidied up way to do it. Um, well, and, and and then and then again, I think same thing as you know, the year that you can go pro is the year you can transfer with no penalty if you transfer. And then you can do it again if you're a graduate, like always, right? That's what, I, I would I agree with you. But then if you want to do it again, you have to be a graduate. Yeah, so I mean, like in theory, like if you transferred after your third year and you didn't like where you went, you could grad transfer after yeah. that. Yeah, if you yeah, and, yeah, and and at that point, that you know, your probably options are very different because everybody's got no nobody's pulling you as a transfer as a recruit, right? You take a you take a freshman transfer, you're still basically taking him as a recruit because you don't know what he can or can't do. I'm not opposed to that, AP. I don't know that that would ever fly. I'm not opposed to that at all. Uh, I think the NIL stuff is fascinating, and I think, I think the first place for not governance, but some what they call them guardrails. I think the first place you get there is enough schools saying, you're, "If you can get that, if what you're asking for, you can get somewhere else, go for it," and letting some guys walk. Right? I mean, that that's that's the thing because everybody, it's just an annual leverage game. And at some point for it to get it's some parameters, do what? It's one big game of chicken. It, 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 yeah. You, you, do, you just don't want to be biffed in the manure pile, you know? Yeah. And, and some, <laughs> and some get sometime at some point, some teams are going to have to say, I, I, I mean, teams that have money are going to have to say, go ahead. You can walk. Yeah. We, we, and we're going to let, and I don't know that that's going to happen. Now you're going to have schools like NC state's clearly got a, a financial problem, right? 
people are jumping out right and left because Dave Dorn's out there begging for money because he knows he doesn't have enough money to keep guys. Wake Forest, okay, you have a little success at Wake Forest, you just get called up from double-A to the big leagues is what's happening at Wake Forest. I mean, that's fair or not fair. That's what it is. But I'm talking about on the big level, guys, that some people just say, hey, what you think you you think you're worth five six hundred thousand dollars? Go get it somewhere else. Go get it somewhere else. Now, can a coach really do that? Is a coach really going to do that? Because college coaches are never told no, ever. That's why they make nine ten million dollars a year. That's why they have these great contracts. That's why they get ever been getting every facility they need built. Hey, we need a new you know we need we need a new weight room rack because this is a prettier rack or we need. I mean. They've always been given, 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 right? Nobody's telling them no. At some point, who's going to say no? Because that's where NIL is going to have to find some deal, unless it goes rev, unless it goes into the rev sharing model that a lot of people are talking about out there right now. Yeah. Let's go to Avval, uh, and thank you for this Avval because I was able to write a little article about this. It'll be up on the website later today. Uh, what freshmen redshirted this year, and are any upset with why they redshirted? I mean. I can't speak to if anybody were upset, but I went back and tracked this the other day. Here are the ones who were eligible for a red shirt who played in four games or less. There were 25 scholarship freshmen on the roster this year. 16 are eligible for a red shirt. Those are Nico, Jordan Matthews, Deshaun Bishop, Emmanuel Okoye, Jack Luttrell, Shadavion Bradley, Jalen Smith, Tyree Weathersby, Vison Lang, Aiden Bussell, Sham Umarov, Nate Spillman, Nathan Laycock, Ethan Davis, Nathan Robinson, and Trevor Duncan. A couple of those guys are because of injury. I mean, Weathersby would have played, uh, but he and Bishop got hurt in preseason. Nathan Robinson got hurt week one. So, I mean, down the line, potentially a medical you know waiver like we were talking about earlier. But those are the players who were eligible for a red shirt from this season. Let's go to Davey Vall. If you're Danny White, when he meets with Josh Hobble for their end of the season meeting, what three questions are you asking about what needs to be improved in the football program? I don't know if I can think of three right here on the spot, Brent, but number one, I'm going to say, what the hell is up with all these penalties, man? You got to cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that Danny, I don't know that Danny White gets in the weeds with a lot of specifics like that. I think it's pro- it would probably be more general questions like, why did your offense what why did why were the the points down why was your offense struggling and what's the what's the path to 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 what's the path to restore that to where it was you know what does that look like um where do you think you are talent wise do you have enough talent what do we need to do to get you know what needs to happen if you need more talent where where is your what do you think your talent level is compared to the rest of the SEC and what you're competing with um, I think it would be much more general questions than 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 no than anything specific to football would be my guess between those two. We got AP. Why why do you struggle so much on the road? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's I think that's a question. I mean, penalties probably go into some of those things sure too. Um, but I don't know that that that's you know you're just going to sit and and talk a ton of football. I think it's going to be a lot of big picture stuff. You know. Um, staff, you know, where are you with your staff? What's your evaluation of your staff? What do you think? What's your talent level? Um, what are you going to do to get your offense back to the, to the level that, you know, that we've seen ever since we've been together, going back to our days in Orlando? Seeing 31, I like this one. Seeing that Petrino is back at Arkansas, was Kevin Garnett right? Is anything truly possible? Unreal. Uh, when do we see Jeremy Pruitt back as the secondary coach at Tennessee? Well, he's not coming back to Tennessee. But, I mean, the, the difference. I'm sure, about- I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure people like you at Arkansas, however, said he's never coming back to Arkansas. And well, you yeah. say never. Yeah, you're right. You never say never, but I'm going to say never on that one. Um, for, 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 for a while. I mean, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's going to be out of coaching for a while. Okay, Bobby Petrino was never. He was never given a show calls. He could always go coach. Um, you know, I. I the irony that he's back in Arkansas is is I, I'm surprised Sam Pittman made that hire. Um and I wonder I wonder where the pressure came from to make that hire for Sam Pittman. Was that all Sam Pittman's choice or were there some people involved? Because Sam Pittman's obviously not exactly on firm footing over there, right? 
So who is the one who's got some influence on kind of where you're going offensively and who is the one who's kind of putting some pressure on Bobby uh, on hiring Bobby Petrino? Cause that, that doesn't seem like those two would be the, a match made in heaven and they've never worked together. Um, so I, I wonder how that went down in terms of who was making that decision or, or pushing Bobby Petrino. All right. This is gonna you, know be the last got, one. you know, he's still got some friends over there. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, this will be the last one, and we can all kind of go around the room and answer this one. This is from Randy G77. Over under 50% chance these players factor into the rotation next season. Deshaun Bishop, John Slaughter, Emmanuel Okoye, Boo Carter, and Trevor Duncan. I'll go first. Deshaun Bishop, Bishop, I would say under. John Slaughter, you hope, is over. <laughs> Emmanuel Okoye, I'll say under. Boo Carter, I'm going to say over because, again, I think he's going to return kicks, and that's depending on how you define this. I mean, that's that's playing, so I'll say over there. And then Trevor Duncan, I would say under at this point. AP, what would you do? You know, the defensive line, a guy like Trevor Duncan, is interesting just from a standpoint of, like, if he they stays on so the defensive line, Rodney plays a rotation, you know, I mean, I could see him being a factor, him and Nathan Robinson being a factor in the rotation. Um, so I would, you know, I, I would, out of the whole group, I would say under, I would say, I would say under and, but I would put the, 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 put the star beside it because I'm with you. I think blue Boo Carter on special teams is going to be a real factor. So, um, I, I would, I guess if, if you're counting special teams as, as playing, I do think he's going to be involved in returning punts, returning kicks. So from that standpoint, I, I think he could be the over. I don't know who else. I don't know who else would be a punt returner on this team. Am I wrong in thinking that D. Williams has another year if he wants yeah, it? He, he does, does not. He doesn't. He does okay. Not. Well, yeah. I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, he does no. not have another year. Uh, now Cam Seldon can return kickoffs. You know, I want to see what that looks like because that was not D. Williams' specialty. He was a much better punt returner yeah. than a kickoff returner. Um, but but Mike Eckler and, and Josh Hype. I mean, D. Williams' first punt return was in Baton Rouge. So they're not afraid to put a young guy, you know, somebody out there, I don't think, if they can prove they can catch it. I think Boo Carter's got pretty good hands and, and, a, and a pretty good fielding ability out there. So I think he's got a chance to be the, to be a punt returner and our kick returner next year. All right, that's going to do it here for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Went a few extra minutes today, so I appreciate you guys hanging on and uh, staying with us here today. A big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making this possible. Give them a call today at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com, local and trusted since 1999. For Austin Price, Brent Hubs, I am Eric Kane. Thank you so much for tuning in here to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on BallQuest. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.